Let me pray and let's dive in. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the waves and this massive body of water behind us that we worship along with the chorus of the heavens and the earth. It's so beautiful. We love you in Jesus. Um, amen. All right, folks, it is such a joy to have this first sermon of Christmas, of the Christmas season, as many of you know. And by the way, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I will change my sermon if I have to, to convince you of that. We can do that. But it is, it's such a joy. And one of my favorite things as a dad, as a dad is, um, big reactions. I love big reactions and seeing the responses and the excitement. Um, just as a person, I love it. Like when, when I officiate a wedding, one of my favorite things to do during when, when the bride is walking down the aisle is I get this great spot to just look at the groom as he lays eyes on the bride. And it doesn't matter whether they took pictures beforehand uh, for the sake of time, and he already saw the bride, or whether this is the first time seeing the bride, there is just this response that is, it's just almost uncontrollable response of love and gratitude. I love to look at that. Um, this is a good thing. If you're having a bad day, here's, a, here's something to try. I love watching little videos of soldiers who have been on long deployments surprising their family when they come home. Anyone watch those videos before? Like, I'll just be watching them and crying, and the kid's like, Dad, what's going on? It's like, nothing. Dad's just been watching his soldiers returning from deployment videos. Like, just to see the response of the family and this just explosion of love and recognition. There's something about it that I love. And so as a, as a Christmas, uh, as Christmas season sort of hits, I love with my kids, especially the little, little ones, where it's their first year kind of getting stuff. Like when Michelli was like three years old and starting to kind of understand Christmas. How many of y'all got like three-year-olds out there? How many of y'all three-year-olds? That's about the age, right? Where they kind of start to get it a little bit more. And all of a sudden Christmas goes to the next level. Like I love to put them in a stroller and I, I go on a run with them. I have my, my little Bose speaker and I put them in a stroller. And I, and I start like two blocks away from the Sleepy Hollow Christmas lights display. Two blocks away, it's nothing special. It's like, Dad, why are we out here? It's dark, it's cold. And we start running, and all of a sudden, I take that right by Toledo into the Christmas lights section, and I hit the music. Like, Mariah Carey is just cranking, and the lights are exploding around us, and the kids are just like, awe and wonder. It's one of my absolute favorite things. Um, when I finish the Christmas lights, and I say, kids, come outside, like full Clark Griswold style. Like, kids, come on, family, come on out. And we, we plug them in and behold, like, the glories of Christmas. So, Michelle and Brixton, full response. Zion's a bit more withholding, admittedly. He's a, he's a little bit more, I don't know, I want to say entitled, but he's a little, he's, he's underwhelmed by most things. Like, I took him to the Christmas lights last year on that run, and he's like, it's cold, it's cold. I'm like, just wait, just wait. And all of a sudden, we got into the section, I hit the music, and I'm like, what do you think, Zion? He's like, it's cold, I want to go home. And then this, this week I put up the Christmas lights and I was slaving away all day and it was like really hot, weirdly hot. And I finished putting them up and I get him out there and I, I bring him to the, to across the street for the full view. And I go, well, Zion, behold. And he's like, what is this? This is not beautiful. I'm like, what? He's like, it's not beautiful. Where's the colors? 
Where's the cut? He calls them cutouts. Where's the cutouts? So he was bummed there was no color. So I have some work to do there. But generally speaking, I love responses. And I love seeing responses in others. And this morning, I want to, in the space between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I have this sermon, this little homily, if we want to use that term. I'm calling it life as response. Life as response. And I wanted to look at one little snapshot in the larger Christmas story in the scriptures that is kind of, it gets a bit less attention, but it's this beautiful little kind of snow globe moment. And not only is it a beautiful picture, but it also touches on a motif or a theme that weaves its way throughout so much of the New Testament. Now, I will not be tracing that theme through the entire New Testament. So some of you can take a breath of relief. You will not be out here for long. But I just want to look at the one snapshot, notice something, and then for us to think a little bit about our own moment in our own lives in this space between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So if you want to, you can follow along with me in the scriptures, or if you'd prefer to just listen the way your ancient ancestors in the faith consumed scripture, they heard it, you are totally good there as well. If the sermon gets boring, there are dolphins and surfers to watch, and you will ha- should have a, a little piece of paper, and if you don't, I'll make sure you get one in a little bit. You can always doodle, which is a nice way of killing time. So this passage will be in Luke. So we're going to look at Luke, and if you want to open to Luke chapter 2, and like I said, it's a small window into a much larger story. Jesus has been born by this point. Baby Jesus has been born. And Mary and Joseph, who are um, like subsistence level folks, he's a craftsman, a subsistence level. They don't have a lot of money. They're barely making it, but they go to the temple in Jerusalem because they are faithful Israelites. And there are rituals and pieces of worship that they do after having a kid. And so they go to Jerusalem. And if you've ever been to Israel and seen the Western Wailing Wall, which is just a retaining wall for the larger temple courts, it's an overwhelming sight. If you want, I actually would encourage you to go on YouTube and you can watch these, um, I think Bar-Ilan University and a couple others have made full virtual reality tours of the second, uh, the Jerusalem temple in the first century that will give you a real sense for the size, space, and grandeur of this thing. So they're showing up in this space. It's huge. It's full of people, a lot of action happening. And they've presented baby Jesus, little Ye- his name is Yeshua, it means Joshua, little, little Jesus, Yeshua. And he's at the temple. And this cool moment happens. They meet this individual named Simon, <clears throat> a righteous and devout person, we're told. And he sees Jesus and he's moved by the Holy Spirit and says some things about this baby. Some things that, that remind all of us, this baby will be different, will be special, will be on another level than what we normally expect. And then there's this woman. And I'm going to read this passage, Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and following. It says, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phinuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years 
after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old, 84 years old, which in our context yet, yeah, that's definitely empty nester status at that point. And in the ancient world, that's, that would be a statistically very old, very few folks making that length of life. And she's in the temple and she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. She came up to them at this very moment. So here it is, baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph. She walks up to them and she did something. It says, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. A small little moment where she just kind of stops traffic but she doesn't stop the general posture of her life, the rhythm of her life, the sort of drum beat of her daily locomotion was this expectancy. And then she sees baby Jesus and it says she responds. She responds big. And what does she respond with? With glorying and gratitude, with glorying and gratitude. And in particular here is this gratitude as I mentioned, this response of Anna, this prophetess in the baby Jesus birth story, this response is not a singular one-off strange instance. It's not a unicorn of, 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 of a response. It's actually a characteristic normal thing that happens again and again and again and again and again and again and again. We just finished as a church reading through the story of Acts, Acts, Acts of the Apostles. And we noticed there, if you were sort of tracing it closely, this response happens again and again and again. Something, something happens, God moves, and people who observe it respond with thanksgiving and glory. And glory just means this. It sounds kind of like a holy word, like a glowy, fluffy, out there in the sort of numinous space of, of heaven word, but it's not. It's a very basic word. What does it mean? It means just giving, like recognizing honor, recognizing praise, recognizing how great someone is. And so her response in gratitude and glory is a general response we see again and again. Um, and I want to suggest this morning in the space between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I want to suggest to all of us that a posture of gratitude, a posture of a heart that says, God, thank you. Thank you for the breath that I am breathing in. Thank you for the warmth of the sun on my face. Thank you for this day that you've given me. Thank you for the people in my life. Thank you for, and, and to have a heart of gratitude is God's will for us. If you've ever asked the question, like, God, what's your will? And I have students that come into my office pretty frequently and they're really wrestling and thinking through like, what's the will of God for my life? What does God want for me? What is the thing that he's looking for? And they're, they're hoping for like a career pathway or a sort of a straightforward shot in a relationship. Will I get that ring by spring? Will there be wedding bells and babies and this great future for me? Will I finally angle my way into the real estate market in the South Bay. Like, what is God's will for me? I want to read you a passage. This is by another individual, Paul of Tarsus. He writes this to a small community 
um, in the ancient Roman Empire. And this is in, goodness, there it is. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 to 17. It says this, he's talking in a space of the, of this, of this letter that he's writing this church. He's talking in a space that he's been giving them just some like, here is, here is then how we should live. This is the response of the Jesus following life. He says this verse 16, rejoice always pray continually. And that obviously doesn't mean you're making syllables and enunciating prayer. It just means having a heart posture that is continually saying, God, here I am, here you are, here we are. And it says this verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love it how sometimes the biggest concepts, the most life-changing transformational realities are the simplest ones. We think we need to crawl on our hands and knees up 5,000 feet, up a craggy rock to a monastery to get that one word of wisdom that will change our lives. And the truth is, again and again, we see at least in these scriptures that the simplest, I mean, the most profound truths are also the simplest truths. And the simplest truth is what does God want for you? He doesn't want your productivity, although it's wonderful to respond and be productive when he's given you opportunity. He doesn't want you to be a good little boy and a good little girl as if his role is like an English schoolmaster, getting people to just be, be um, well-behaved. That's not the ultimate goal. That is actually we'll see as a response. What is God's will for us? In this passage, we see his will for us is a heart of like communication with him and a posture of gratitude, a deep posture of gratitude. And if you're like me, and you're a human being in the 21st century, we all know that like, we don't as a culture and I don't as an individual typically walk around naturally saying, man, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Goodness gracious, I am just bursting forth with gratitude as I lay my head on the pillow. When I wake up at four in the morning, any four in the morning people here like me, you get up at four in the morning, you don't get out of bed, but you're just up and like, oh yeah. It's like, you're never like, ah, the sound of the waves and the, quiet of the street and the beauty of the moment and the, as all sleep and I'm awake. No, I'm like thinking, okay, am I going to uh, lose my job this year? Am I going to run out of money? Uh, am I going to get that bad phone call from the doctor? Uh, are these people going to, you know, I don't know what uh, backstab. I don't know. I, you have all these thoughts that are negative, just sort of coursing through our bodies. And as a cultural discourse, we know this, our shared conversation as a society that we see on the news and, and all those other things, uh, the social networking that we do on the iTelephones, like all of those spaces of communication are generally speaking negative. Thankfully, our politics are all about gratitude. That's what's nice. When it's election year, we know, oh, finally, we can actually look at the brighter side of life. But other than that, it's really negative. And I want to just suggest two things, and I didn't do a bunch of research on these, <clears throat> but... I think they're truths. Two sort of um, gratitude suckers. Two things that drain us of of our heart heart and posture of gratitude. I want to say the first one, probably familiarity. 
Familiarity is definitely one of those. And again, this part of the sermon, and I wanted this sermon to be intentionally not that deep. If you want to go really deep and dig in, um, wait for Bill to preach and Luke to preach. They're going to really get in there. I like to keep it real surface level, real surface, just like my relationships, real surface. No, but I really wanted this one to be a little bit more mellow. Familiarity. Um, I, I, I was a surf coach in college and I taught, I taught surfing and I do these surf camps and, and I'm not saying anything about any area or place, but I would do a surf coach. I would surf coach this one crew in Manhattan beach. And I love Manhattan beach. I worked there for many years. Great spot. Love it. But these kids, these kids would be coming. They all lived. A lot of them lived on the strand or like a few houses back and they grew up that way. And that, that's awesome and beautiful and wonderful. But when they come down in the morning, I would do the morning session there. And I'm sorry, I do, I do the afternoon session in Manhattan Beach. Um, and the morning session, I did a different place. But the Manhattan Beach, the kids would come down and be like, all right, y'all, let's get in the water. Let's do a couple exercises. We'll warm up. We'll go out. And we'll, we'll jump in the water and start catching some waves in our first session. And then sometimes it was like pulling teeth. It was like, oh, I just want to sit here and listen to my... At that point, they had iPods. Remember iPods? This is before the Nano. These are the big iPods. Listen to their electronic music. It's a mysterious source of music. And they just want to sit there. And a few of them would get out. And then eventually I'd have to sort of force them to get out. And it was just a different approach. Why? Because they were so used to it. The beach, the ocean, the water, it's all stuff that they have known. Well, then I would go in the afternoon. And I, I, I was part of this really cool nonprofit little surf camp. And it was for these kids and this uh organization called Richstone, which was um, based out of uh, a couple spots, uh, one in Inglewood and one I, th- I think in maybe Compton. I'm, I'm not sure where, where it was based out of, but they would arrange with us to kind of bring their kids down and we'd teach them surfing. And it was like the spot that was chosen was literally, we call it S-pipe in the surf community. S stands for scubala in Greek and I'll let you guess what it is in English, but it's literally right off Hyperion. It's like where the little sewage treatment comes out. And, and so that was the spot that we were able to get with the city to do this camp. And so they'd come down to that spot. Airplanes are flying over, the warm smell of Hyperion wafting through. And the van would show up, and I could not wait to see this response every single time. The van would show up. The doors would open. These kids, these little kiddos, 10 to 13-year-old kids, come barreling down as excited as you could possibly be to put their feet in sand. Many of them have lived 15 minutes from that sand and have never touched it before this camp. And they, I couldn't get them out of the water. I would literally have to be like, we have to go. You have to come in. They're getting like hypothermia and they're just staying out there. They loved it so much because to them it was so new and so fresh and so wonderful. And they saw it with eyes of gratitude and response in step with that. And so familiarity, and we see it here, right? Whenever we have a speaker come, we can have like, we, we get weirdly influential speakers coming through here sometimes. Like if you know the size of our church, we're not a huge church. Like, you know, a couple hundred people, whatever. It's, a, it's wonderful. It's a cool place. But we'll sometimes get speakers that come through that are used to speaking at pretty massive places. And they're like, they can't get over what we're doing here. You have a, a service on the beach? I can't believe it. This is amazing. And we're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is kind of cool. That's right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're cool. So 
we're so used to it and we get so familiar. And so I think sometimes the familiarity is something we need to just check on. We need to check on. And where do we go to be reminded? I think we see it in the scriptures again and again. That's why there's so much of this. If you read the Bible, I know I'm a Bible professor and I'm, I'm a, I used to be a youth pastor back in the day. And so you want to convince people, the Bible's so cool. The Bible's the most dynamic book you'll ever read. Read the Bible. You won't be able to put it down. Forget Netflix, the Bible. Well, the truth is the Bible is not a pop-up book, right? It's another like scratch and sniff and like cool graphic novel stuff. The Bible is not for entertainment. It's so much more than that. But one of the things about the Bible and could be a hiccup for all of us is because it does get repetitive. You're like, okay, you told that. I, I get it. That theme came up again. And again, and again, but it's because we are a people of amnesia. We are people of forgetfulness and the simple things we need to remember again and again. Um, I'll, I'll close with a little Psalm on that, but the first, the first one familiarity and the last thing I want to mention, um, and this is a big one. This is a huge one. Uh, and it's fear. Fear can be one of the largest gratitude thieves, the Grinch you stole Christmas style in our lives that just comes in and it just sucks up every ounce of gratitude response we have because, but what if this is as good as it gets and tomorrow the other shoe drops, but what if things go wrong? Fear, fear is powerful and if you want, I could email me. I'll send you an article. There's a, a lot of great research on what we call the negativity bias. Negativity bias, which is a, uh, a psychological, like neurological disposition humans have. And it's actually for survival. If you're camping and the bush is shaking next to you and you're deep in the woods, it's probably better for your survival that you assume that might be something dangerous than you think, oh, what if it's a cute bunny rabbit? Let's go find out right? It's better for you to say that could be a grizzly bear. And so let's, let's be on, let's be cautious. If you're on a, a ship in the middle of the ocean, it's probably better for you to think about all that could go wrong on this ship more often than you think about, it'll probably be fine, right? Because it will help you survive. The problem is you and I are not being chased by saber toothed tigers as we're sending emails, as we're taking our walk to Starbucks in the morning, as we're navigating Thanksgiving dinner, although it could feel that way sometimes for some of us, right? We are not in those contexts of deep survival, yet that bias is deeply rooted in us and it's operating, okay? This is not my research, this is not my field even. But this negativity bias will cause us to attract towards fear. It's like kids and dessert. You put that dessert on the same plate as you put their greens, I promise you they're going to be looking at that dessert again and again. We are sickening in the wrong direction. We are worried. We go to the, the what could go wrong. We live in that space and it drains us. And if you're like me, this can be powerful. I want to read you an action item. I'm going to send, I want to send you off with this action item. It's something I've learned from my wife and I've learned from the scriptures. Where's Bray at? Beautiful Braylon. There she is. Look at her. Raise your hand, honey. Sure over how beautiful you are. That's my wife. If the sermon's not good, I'm married to her, so I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be just fine in life. Um, but and I'll come home sometimes, and I could tell if it's been kind of a gnarly day because there'll be like worship music cranking in the house. Just like you drive up, and it's like at a frat party for Jesus or something, and it's just 
booming. And I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. Brand has figured something out and it's so true. If you are getting crippled with fear or just worry or just angst or just all that stuff, one of the most powerful antidotes to that is to just start saying thank you to God. Just start praising. Find silly things. Lord God, thank you for a canister that keeps water cold and hot liquids hot. Thank you, God, for eyesight that you've blessed me with. I can see things. It's amazing. Thank you, God, for that. There's a, I can eat a delicious Trader Joe's burrito that is in the freezer right now if I want it. Just start rehearsing praise to him, glorifying God, and it changes you. You can't stay angry too long. You can't stay in the wrong mindset too long. If you want to go the opposite direction, I guarantee you, open your phone, go to a few sites, you'll figure out exactly where to go back to the sewer of fear and conflict and strife and cynicism. But gratitude, it lifts you up and it's free and it's available. All right, I'm going to read you this. This is what I'm closing with. It's a great, one of my favorite Psalms. On this sermon in the space between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's Psalm 136. And if you don't know where Psalms are, open up any normal Bible and right in the middle, the Psalms, but you don't say the P, just just Psalms, or you can say Psalms. And and I want to read you the first part of this, but first I want to teach you a Hebrew sentence. Some of you have heard this from me before, but it's one of my favorite Hebrew sentences. Ki la olam chazdo. Okay, let's try that together, right? Just like, it's like key, like a key. Ki la olam chazdo. Ki la olam Chazdo. All right. Ki la olam chazdo. And it means this. Ki means because or for. La olam means into forever. La olam. Baby. La olam. My son's amazing football coaches here today. I want, like, instead of saying go long, just say go la olam, baby. Go into forever. Ki la olam, into forever. Chazdo. His loving kindness. Because his loving kindness goes into forever. Ki la olam chazdo. Because his loving kindness, his faithfulness, his watchfulness, his goodness that is always towards you, 100% of the time towards you, goes into forever. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't need new batteries. It doesn't need to be recharged or re-upped or resubscribed to. His loving kindness goes into forever. Ki la olam chazdo. So this psalm is so cool because it says a line and then it says a line and then it repeats that. Ki la olam chazdo. And it says another line and then it repeats it. Ki la olam chazdo. So it's kind of like a beat. Ki la olam chazdo. So we're gonna, I'm going to read to you a line and then you're, I'm going to point to you and you say, Ki la olam chazdo. Say it nice and weird so people think we're just the weirdest crew out here. All right, ready? So it says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Okay, I'll help you next time. Although, Barb, you were on it. I got to say, once again, my fake mom is just crushing it. Give thanks to the God of gods. Ki la olam chazdo. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Ki la olam chazdo. To him who alone does great wonders. Ki la olam chazdo. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Ki la olam chazdo. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Ki la olam chazdo. Who made the great lights? Ki la olam chazdo. The sun to govern the day. Ki la olam chazdo. The moon and stars to govern the night. 
And it goes on. It goes on for several verses, rehearsing his faithfulness to Israel throughout their history and their future. And it's this cool moment. And so I just want to encourage all of us in this space between Thanksgiving and Christmas, as we think about living a life as response, as response, um, you are going to fear and you are going to become overly familiar with wonderful gifts. It is not wrong to live at the beach. It is, it's actually beautiful. And it's not wrong to have the joys and privileges that God has blessed you with. It is heartbreaking, though, when we've become so familiar with them or so afraid of losing them that we're no longer saying, Kila olam chazdo in all circumstances. And so this Sunday, I hope that's an encouragement. Here's what I thought we could do. Michelle, would you grab the cards? I gave some cards out and a pen, and I thought maybe as like a response, um, we could just write out a couple things, right? Just sketch something out that you're thankful for. And you can either keep this, but I was also thinking, I talked to Rachel about it very briefly this morning. Sorry about that. Idea came to me yesterday. Um, But I was thinking, if you just write out some things you're thankful for, some, some glory to God, whatever. And, and we'll just strum a little bit and maybe, um, maybe read a couple of them. Or if you want to just have my daughter, she's an amazing athlete. She'll run and grab a few of maybe Brixton too. Where's Brix at? Brix Donathy, where are you, dude? The slick brick. Uh, he'll, he'll grab them too and bring them up here. And I could read some of them too, if you don't want to come up to the microphone, but I thought it could just be a cool moment. Let's just for a few minutes, let's see what time we got here. Oh, we're crushing it. So just for a few minutes, we could just kind of flood the, the beach with gratitude and just say, like, what are we thankful for? What, what, what are you grateful for? And it can be a small or big, and especially some of you young guns out there, right? You younger crew, get up here and say what you're thankful for. Like, I would love to hear from everyone. So, or not everyone, we're probably on a time for that, but a lot of you. So come on up um, and, and Rachel's going to start singing some music. We're going to have communion as well available at the end, but um, let's take a minute, write out kind of maybe an item of two or two and uh, read it for us. And um, a couple of you, at least a few of you, and then hold on to it and just try this experiment with it this week. The second fear creeps in 4.30 a.m. on the 405, wherever you are, whenever you are. Respond with gratitude and thanksgiving and see how, oh, wow, that's right. That's what I was made to do. That's what I'm like created for. It's that picture of Anna in the temple seeing baby Jesus and just saying, thank you, God. You're amazing, God. So um, I'm going to stand here awkwardly with the microphone until some people come up and read what they're thankful for. Let's just hear a couple of you and um, a few of you. And if you want it read, raise your hand. Michelle will come grab it from you and Brixton will. And run it up to me. Michelle Brick, stand up, you cute kiddos, with eyes full of wonder and gratitude. So give him something to do. What are you thankful for? Karen McFarlane, I know you're thankful for something. Some things, you're amazing. What are you thankful for? Come on up here, just read it. You don't have to explain it. Please don't explain it, unless it's really in need of it. What are you thankful for? If you don't, I'm going to start singing. I'm thankful for. Like a TBN preacher. All right, what are you thankful for? 
Jason, come on up here. You got something. Read, read it to us, would you? I see you ra waving at me. Come on up here. What do you think for? Just sprint up and sprint out. Think of it as a good little workout, you know? Burn a few calories, y'all. I am thankful for everyone in the River Church. Uh, I'm so thankful, and I'm thankful for being 27. It encouraged me a lot of to do. I like to read you one of my songs we are going to do in, in the orchestra. Uh, I'm thankful for many nights we prayed with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts, a hopeful song we barely understood. Now we are not afraid, although we know there's much to fear. There can be miracles when you believe. Through hope, hope is frail, it's not hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve? And I'd like to encourage all of you, what do you believe? I'd love to teach you some of my message. And I know it's been a pleasure. Please, please remember, please think as we close this river church with beautiful music. Um, please remind yourself when you believe. Yeah, please say amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. I love it, man. Yes, preacher at heart. Anyone else, what are you thankful for? You won't have to do it if it doesn't work, but uh, I don't mind awkward silences. I'm a professor. I sit there for three hours in front of a class. Barb's got one. Oh, Bricks, get over here. Grab it from Barb. Who else wants to read? Let's just read a couple of them. This is what I'm talking Let's flood the beach with these. Here we go. Thank you, Brixton. I'm thankful to be with people I love and who love me back. Oh, that's beautiful. What else? What are you thankful for? Come on up here. Yes. So in Barb's theme, I was thinking the same. I'm thankful for all the relationships that I've had in my life, um, good and bad, because they've all led to experiences that God's put me into. Um, and so I'm really grateful for all of those. Um, I'm really grateful and blessed to be here at the River Church, experiencing all of this with each of you. I'm grateful that SC beat Notre Dame handily yesterday. <laughs> As long as we don't talk about UCLA, we're okay with that. <laughs> what else? Who else has a card? Anyone? Bricks is standing there ready to go. Yes. Come on. I'll hold the microphone for you. Your hands are beautifully full. I am so thankful for life, for breath in my lungs, for a body that moves and for babies who make things happy, and for this church family. Thank you so much for lifting us up in this time. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Gosh, what a picture. Picture of gratitude. Like, what if this was the ambient sound of our day? What if, like, even three-fourths of our day were, were full of messages where we are just saying, I'm thankful, taking the moment? Well, here's what we're going to do as I can read a room as good as anyone else. Y'all want to chill and I get it. I get it. Write your stuff down. Oh, we got one, Bricks. We got one. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm running a telephone right now at the 3 a.m. hour. We just need two more calls. All oh, right on from Hayden. Oh, my goodness. Hayden says, I'm thankful for my family, this earth, 
our house and God. Dang. Okay. That's that's 10 years old of wisdom right there. Beautiful. All right, there we go. Got another one, Bricks. Now it's starting to happen. Now the phones are really lighting up. (laughs) Um, How about... uh, Zion's in on the action now, too. Here we go, Bricks. Good job, dude. Way to hustle. This individual wrote, I'm thankful for my wife's love, a healthy body with which to experience the beauty of nature, God's unending grace and love for me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What is we're going to do? We're going to at least have some worship, and then um, that will lead into communion at the end. And as we always do it, anyone's welcome. You just come on up. You grab some communion elements. Oh, this is so good. Let's see here. Thankful for football, dad, and Luke. Um, that's Julian writing about his brother. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And it has a couple football plays on it too, by the way. So I'm thankful for my family and friends. Oh, it's so good. You can bring that back to Julian. Thanks, Zion. Here's Zion. Bring it back to whomever you got it from. Whoever you got it from. Um, and let me pray. And let's, let's worship. And if you have more and you want to bring them up, um, weave them in. That's fine. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a chance to say thank you. To respond to your goodness in our lives. And not let the moment be stolen by fear and familiarity. But like Anna in the temple. To see you move and say, Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and worship in response. Thinking, saying thank you to God for his faithfulness and for his goodness. Saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful So my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice and I love your voice You have led me through the fire darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God all my life and all my life you have been faithful yes you have all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, 
sing of the goodness of God. Sing your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrender now. I'll give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. all my life and all my life you have been faithful thank you Lord and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing and I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing I will sing of the goodness of God So as we do every week, we're going to um, partake of the elements up here. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and gave it to each of his disciples and said, this is my body that is given for you. Take and eat. In a similar manner, he took the cup, the wine, and passed it around to his disciples and said, this is my blood that is shed for you. Take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant. So as we do every week, I invite you uh, to take and just reflect on all the things that we have to be grateful for in the person of Jesus Christ. So Rachel's going to continue playing in the space is yours. of God. 